Welcome to A Journey from the Hill. This is a weekly podcast from Chapel Hill Baptist Church in Northport, Alabama. This week, our message comes from our student pastor, Matthew Ramey. We hope that you sit back and enjoy this message from God's Word and hope that it challenges you in your relationship with Him. Now, let's listen to Brother Matthew and see what the Word has to say to us today. Man, I'm pumped up today. Um, well, I want to say good morning first. Good morning. Uh, let me introduce myself if some of you don't know who I am. Uh, my name is Matthew Ramey. I'm a student pastor here at Chapel Hill. Um, so I'm wearing this t-shirt. You see this t-shirt. Um, reason I'm wearing this t-shirt and some of our staff is too is because we just finished a weekend called Disciple Now or D-Now. And D-Now is basically a really, really, really fast weekend of discipleship. Now that's the goal at least. So we come in on Friday night. Uh, all of our students gather up together. Um, we do one big worship service. We actually did it with some community churches. So we had Five Points Baptist. We had Christ Harbor. Christ Harbor actually hosted. So we were over here all weekend. Um, but we show up at six o'clock on Friday night. We do a huge worship service. Um, we have a speaker come in and uh, bring the word. And we have like a comment, like a one theme of the weekend. And as you can see, uh, it's on my t-shirt. You can't read it, but it's undivided. And so D-Now weekend, like I said, is a super fast weekend. A little bit of what we do is we have some big worship services. Then we also break up into age groups. And we have leaders, like college-age leaders, that lead those groups and do some little, a little bit more in-depth discussion on some of the big group stuff and the theme of the weekend and specific scriptures. And so, man, it's like it's a weekend full of studying the Word a uh, weekend full of having conversations with students uh, where they hopefully, and by the way, they did, feel comfortable about talking about their faith, talking about what's going on in their hearts, talking about what's going on in their lives. And it's such a great weekend. Uh, this weekend was, was really great. Um, in second service, you'll see, well, you won't see it, but there will be uh, 60 students, 60 young people uh, sitting over here that will have the same shirt on. And so uh, they're not here with us this morning, but uh, they're coming in. They're going to eat some breakfast in a little bit. But, um, man, it's, it's, it's really awesome. And if you see one of those students, by the way, if you're hanging around, you go to Sunday school, you see a student with a blue shirt on, just pull them aside and say, hey, what did God teach you this weekend? It'll scare them to death. They'll... But they'll be able to tell you something because I promise you, um, I think every single student learned something and took something away from Disciple Now Weekend, or at least that's our prayer. Um, we actually saw two salvations last night, so praise the Lord for that. Absolutely. Um, but we worship and we reflected on our own lives. I want to come back to this theme. The theme of the weekend was undivided. Undivided, loving God with all your heart. And like, that's such a simple idea. That's a simple concept, right? It's not a theological thing that you've got to understand. It's being undivided in loving God with all your heart. You're undivided. You're not divided up into different things. You're not loving different things. You're not giving yourself to all different things. And our, our speaker for the weekend really focused on that because what you'll see in students, what you'll see in people, is that 
we have eight or nine different versions of ourselves. You know? And, and we have all this division in our life where we're divided up into different things, right? And this weekend, we challenge those students. Repent of your sin. Repent of being fake, because that's what we like to do, right? We know how to play the game. That's what we talked about all weekend, the game. Well, the game is acting like we know what's going on. We got it all together. And so repent of that. Repent of your sin and love God with all your heart. First, um, we, our small groups divided up and you know, they talked about different things. First, they talked about um, you have to actually choose to follow Jesus. So choose sides is what that title was. Choose sides, like choose God over the world. Romans chapter 12, verse two. Choose God over the world. Um, they talked about uh, what it looks like to have an everyday loving relationship with God and loving God and nothing else. Like, that's a practical thing. It means that you're not living eight different lives. It means that you love God in every area of your life, right? Um, this morning, when they come to Sunday school, they're going to finish out, and they're going to talk about how it's not up to them to do this on their own, but they have the help of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit to give them the strength to do what he called them to do, which is loving. And so I want you to hear what I said before we read the word this morning. Love God with everything and love God and nothing else. Not to say that we don't love family or friends or anything else, but we love God so much that if we lose everything else, we have him and that's enough. I'm gonna say that again. Not to say that we don't love family and we don't love friends or anything else, but we love God so much that if we lose everything, if we lose everything and we have him, that is enough. By the way, we're gonna lose everything and in the end, we're gonna see if we have him and he's gonna be all that matters, right? Amen? And so uh, let's pray before we read. Let's pray before we read. Lord, we love you so much, God. Thank you for this amazing weekend of Disciple Now. God, I pray that, uh, Lord, this excitement of these students that we came uh, off of this weekend, God, I pray that it would not just be emotional. I God, I pray that it would not just be empty, but it would be your spirit moving within our students, moving within this next generation, God, that they would be moved, God, to, to follow you and love you with all their heart. And I pray that that would infect our church. This morning, God, I pray that we would examine ourselves. God, your word tells us to do that, to examine ourselves. And I pray that we would say, God, do we love you with all of our heart? Reveal that to us this morning. We ask these things in your name. Amen. If you would turn with me to Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, we're really only going to cover about five verses this morning. Of Deuteronomy. Um, so let's read that together. And then we're going to give some, uh, some background so we're not jumping in the middle of this book. All right, so the first three verses in Deuteronomy chapter 6 says, Now this is the commandment, the statutes, statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. Now me being Moses, okay? That the Lord your God commanded me to teach you that you may do them in your land in which you are going over to possess it. Now, this is the promised land that he's talking about. That you may fear the Lord your God, 
and your son and your son's son by keeping all of his statutes, there's that word again, and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life and all the days that, so that all your days may be long. Verse three, hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that, you may go, that it may go well with you and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord your God of your fathers has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. Okay, so what's going on here in Deuteronomy chapter six? He is preparing, he's setting us up for what he's about to give us, okay? He says, there is some great commandments that I have given you. Our children's ministry has been studying the 10 commandments lately. Um, very fitting because in Deuteronomy chapter five, Moses has just re-given the, the 10 commandments to this new generation of Israel, okay? So where we pick up in Deuteronomy, okay? If you go back to Exodus, you see uh, the people of God were freed from Israel. I mean, excuse me, they're free from Egypt. Uh, they're free from Egypt, from slavery, uh, they're freed and they, they go on a journey and God says, hey, I have a place for you. I have a promised land for you. Go for that. And then by the way, you need to obey me on the way. Well, on this journey, they travel. Uh, they don't do a good job of obeying God. In fact, they do such a bad job of obeying God. He gives them the 10 commandments. He says, this is what you need to do. 10 commandments. And he's gonna give you, I'm gonna give you rules and statutes. I'm gonna give you a law that's gonna protect you. Well, the people couldn't. They, they messed it up. Like they could not keep those things. In fact, while the Ten Commandments are being written for the first time, the people are down without Moses worshiping another God. And so because of all this disobedience, God says, your generation will never see the promised land. It's gonna be your kids. So where we pick up in Deuteronomy chapter six is Moses is preparing this next generation to enter the promised land. And he says, you better pay attention to what God is saying here, all right? Don't make the same mistakes as your parents, right? But get ready because you're about to enter the promised land. Here's the 10 commandments in Deuteronomy chapter five. And then he's setting us up in Deuteronomy chapter six. Hey, pay attention to this. This is the greatest commandment. This is the greatest commandment. If you could sum up God's law and what's God's law? I mean, we just read it right here. Statutes and rules. Statutes and rules that declare God's holiness, that declare that God expects holiness of his people, right? Statutes and rules that are revealing God's ethics and how he sees, how he says things are good and things that are not good for us. He says, if I could sum all that up, into one commandment. And Jesus does this later too. But if I could sum that up in one commandment, listen to this. These, this, this group of people, man, they've been wandering in the, in the desert for 40 years. But they're about to end their promised land. God has been so much, through so much with this group of people, they had disobeyed, they disobeyed more and more and more. But you're about to enter this land. So pay attention to these instructions. Verse two, look at verse two. Verse two says that you may, you pay attention to these commandments that you may fear the Lord your God and your son and your son's son by keeping his statute and commandments which I commanded you. Fear the Lord your God. You know what that means? That means you better be careful 
not to disobey such a big and mighty God. Like, respect God and see who he is. Yes, does he demand holiness of his people? Absolutely. But you've got to understand that he is God and you better fear him, not run and tear and, and be scared of him, but we're talking about a respect. I better do what he says, right? What he says is most important. I fear the Lord. I respect the Lord. I know that he is right. And I know that I better do what he says, right? So you better fear the Lord so that your children may fear the Lord. Verse three and four, he says, hear, O Israel. Hear, O Israel. Look at me. Listen up. Okay, everybody in this room just looked at me. I do that to students all the time. Um, Hey, parents, how much do you have to do that to your kids? I mean, like, how many times a day do you say, I don't want to repeat myself, you better listen up, listen to me, right? And then you have to. Um, But that's what God is saying here. As our heavenly Father, listen up, eyes on me, eyes on me. Hear, O Israel. Now, he's going to give verse 3 and 4, starting with that phrase. Hear, O Israel. Right? Uh, in in uh, Jewish culture, uh, they actually recite these two verses all the time as a prayer. They recite it, I think, twice a day. But it's very, very important. Uh, it's actually kind of how they view their faith is they believe what God is about to say in these two verses about himself. Okay, So they call it the Shema. So they repeat the Shema all the time. It's this prayer. It's this reflection of these verses. Shema means hear. Okay, so God is telling these people to hear, and church, hey, look, it's not different thousands and thousands and thousands of years later. We better hear right now. Hear, O Israel. All right, let's look at it. Hear, O Israel. This is your greatest commandment. And I've been setting you up. Are you ready? Verse four and five. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. We're going to come back to that. You shall, here it is, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. I'm going to stop there. All right. We need to talk about, we need to talk about what's going on right here, Okay. God says, the greatest commandment that I can give you, and what I desire from you the most, what I desire from you, my people, the most, is for you to love me. All right? And then he says this. He says, love me with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. All right? What I do with students is you do heart. Let's say, I think it's, No. It's heart, soul, and might, yeah? But it helps them kind of understand. It's everything. Love the Lord your God with all of you, he says. Your heart, your heart in, the, in, in this uh, context, it, it could be also talking about your mind. With all of your thoughts, with everything you are, with all of your intentions, with everything that you're driven with, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, Love the God, Lord your God with all your soul, the deepest parts of you, 
your deepest dreams, all of those things. You're loving the Lord your God with all of those deepest parts of who you are. Your soul. And with all your strength. What do you think that is? Everything you do. All your actions. So he is covering everything. Love the Lord your God with every single bit of you. Man, that's a big task. All right, I want to point something out. Like, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. We just talked about in the beginning, like, that's not, a, that's not an incredibly theologically hard to understand thing. Like, we can teach that to students. Hey, kids, kids, love God with all your heart. Love God with your whole life. Love God with everything you are. That's something that they can get, right? So it's not something that we can't comprehend. It may be one of the most simple commandments that we see God give us, to love him with everything. Simple. We get it. But while it's the most simple, it it is the hardest commandment for his people to follow. Especially, it's the hardest commandment for modern day America to follow. That's us. I'm not talking about some group of people out there. I'm talking about we're a part of that, right? God says, why is it so hard for us? I mean, God says, I want you to love me. This is the greatest commandment. All right, hear me. I'm going to say eyes on me. Look at me. Look. The greatest commandment that God gave us was to love God, was to love him back. He did not say the greatest commandment, the greatest commandment is for you to serve me. You hear that? He did not say the greatest commandment is for you to go and accomplish this job for me. If you do that, man, I'll be really happy with you. He does not say the greatest commandment is to do something for God. He says, I want you. I don't want your actions. I don't want all that stuff. I want your heart. And when I have your heart, I don't have to worry about the rest of it. If I have your heart, your actions are gonna follow. If I have your heart, you're gonna serve me. We don't have to talk about all that. We don't have to try, right? If I have your heart, that's all I want. Love me with everything you are. Do you hear that today? Man, we love to be busy with stuff. We love to to do all this different stuff and act like it's merit for God, right? We just sang that song, All Sufficient Merit, paid by Jesus. Man, we don't have any merit before the Lord. So serving the Lord, doing all these things, we do that because of Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four. We We love our God, and that's why we serve him. He didn't say, do an action. He said, love me. I want you. I want you. I think that's so significant. I'm walking through a book right now. It's called Experiencing God, and it's to help you experience God. Um, Self-explanatory. But it's a journey uh, to help you experience God in a very real way daily, okay? And I'm only on like week four right now, uh, but there's, out of 12, but there's a large emphasis in these past few weeks on your relationship with God, your love relationship with God. And that's what he calls it in the book, is a love relationship with God, right? There's such a large emphasis on that because the writer is is explaining, hey, if you have a relationship with God that is built on love, 
That's how you experience God. All right, let's, let's dial in that for a second. Let's think about that for our life. If you're in this place this morning and you're wondering, like, why don't I see God move and do amazing things? Why don't I see God do this? Why don't I see God do that? But you're divided up in your life in eight different ways or nine different ways. You're acting different ways to different people, and you love these things more than you love the Lord. And you're like, yes, I love the Lord, but I don't think about him often, right? So you're divided up and you give yourself to every different thing, but I never see God work in my life. Well, that's why. You've got to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength of everything that you are. And he says that in this book. You need to build your relationship with the Lord on his love for you and how you love him back. So the book says, I want you to love and obey him. Do whatever the Lord says. This is, this is important though. However, we don't need to do something for God to be fulfilled. Let me say that again. We do not need to do something for God to be fulfilled. You are fully fulfilled in a relationship built on love with your God. This world is looking for fulfillment, and it's not just this world, it pierces our church. We want to see fulfillment. We want to be used. We want to have purpose. You know what your purpose is? To love God. We act like we have this Christian, like, I don't know, like this awakening journey that we've got to go and experience God in some kind of way. And he's going to reveal to us one day all the things that he wants us to do and everything, the reason why we were born. Now, that may be true for some people, but here it is right here. The reason you're born is to love God, Right? God wants you, and he wants all of you. Why? Why should I love God with everything I have? Why should I, why should I follow this commandment? By the way, Matthew chapter 22, verse 34 through 37, Jesus says this, and like, you're like, mother, this is Old Testament, right? I mean, I know we use Old Testament, but like, we don't follow the law. Oh, no, Jesus says it too. A Pharisee comes and asks him and says, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? What's the greatest commandment you could give? Jesus repeats this. Still true for us New Testament believers, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. Why should I love God with everything? Look at verse four. Remember I said we're gonna come back to that? Hear, O Israel, listen up. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. That is a theologically rich statement. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Like, oh yeah, this isn't necessarily talking about God saying that he is one in the Trinity. That is true. But he is saying, you know, that he's not multiple gods, right? What he's doing is he, he is distinguishing himself from everything else and everybody else and every other God. He is distinguishing himself from everybody. This morning I put on this t-shirt. Nobody else, well, second service this may not work because there's gonna be 60 students. I distinguish myself apart from everybody else by wearing this t-shirt, right? Nobody else in this room except for staff has this t-shirt on, right? Distinguish ourselves as part of D now. Well, God has done the same thing. He has distinguished himself as the one true God. 
Why do I love God with all my heart? There's no one else, man. There's nobody else. That's what God, the Lord your God is one, so love me with all your heart. You know what God's saying? Who else are you gonna love? What else are you gonna give your life to? What else are you gonna give every single bit of yourself to that is gonna be more fulfilling than a relationship with me? Love God with everything because he's all that matters. I mean, we talked about like dividing ourselves up and giving ourselves to all these different things and, and loving a lot of things more than the Lord, you know? The Lord is one. The Lord is the only one deserving of our full love. He is the only one deserving of our full attention. He is the only one deserving of every bit of worship that we can give him. I am God, I need all of you because nothing else is worthy. Worthy. Look at Matthew chapter 10, verse 34 through 37. This is Jesus talking, right? He says, do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will not be the members of his household. He who loves, listen to this part, he who loves his father or his mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Okay, why did Jesus do that? Because he knows the deepest relationships that are built on good and honestly godly love. That's a good relationship to you and your son. That's a good relationship with you and your daughter. That's a good relationship with you and your children. That's a good relationship with you and your parents. It's a godly relationship. It's the way God set up the family, right? But Jesus comes in and says, hey, but by the way, those things are great, but if you love those things more than me, you're not worthy of me. Man, that's a tough statement, man. That is, half the room is not gonna walk out of here today understanding that. Like, what it really means, what it looks like for you to love everything else more. And the reason I say that is because earlier this week, man, this had to come, this had to pierce my heart. Like, I loved things more than the Lord. And I had to lay that junk down. Like, I have to give it all up. God demands every single bit of me. Listen to this. There's a family in in town. Um, Their names are the Crows. You may know this story. I'm just gonna tell it really quick. It's a sweet family. They have young children. Back in 2019, this family goes on a family vacation with their father-in-law, mother-in-law. And they're going camping and they go into a campground down in Montgomery. So they're getting ready and they're um, you know, in the camper and they're riding to their, their campsite in the campground. They're going about 15, 20 miles per hour. And the youngest son, three years old, something just happens and he, and he trips and he falls out the door while they're going about 15, 20 miles per hour out this RV. And the Lord takes him. He lost his life. The mother jumps out after him. And then that family was rocked. Can you imagine? I mean, I have a little, a little month old. I can't imagine. 
That family has every single bit of a reason to run to the world for comfort. And, and honestly, Christians probably wouldn't even say anything to them. One of my buddies said this about them. Christians wouldn't even say anything to them if they ran to the world for comfort because of how tragic this was. Not to praise this family, but just to show a perfect example of what we're talking about today. Four days later, celebration of life. And this family is at their son's celebration of life four days after he passed, tragically. And their hands are up, raised in worship, blessing the name of the Lord, saying he is good and we love him. Dude, I don't, I don't know if I could have done that. You know, but you've got to be real. Can you do that? And, and what Jesus says is, is if that's not true for us too, then we don't love the Lord with all of ourselves. Jesus says we're not worthy of men. That's tough. But we've got to love the Lord of God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and that's what that looks like. To love God with everything means that you praise him when he's all you got. To love God with everything means that you can praise him with all you got. Two things before we end. First of all, this commandment is incredibly tough for us to do, right? And you're thinking about it as a task right now. Let me just tell you something. You can't do it. You cannot do it. The Bible says that we need a new heart. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Romans 3, chapter 10, chapter 3, verse 10 says that there is no one righteous. There is no one that brings their own merit. There is no one good. No one seeks God. If I want to love God. Well, then you need to repent of your sin and you need to ask the Holy Spirit to help you love God with every part of your life. That's the only way. That's what our students are about to talk about in just a minute. I want to ask you one question as we close, okay? First of all, we, God came after you. I, I talked to a student last night that gave his life to Christ, and he's weeping, right? He's weeping. And you know his, his testimony is? Man, it's so good. He said, I thought I knew him, but he showed me I didn't. That's beautiful. God came after that kid. He loved you first. Love him back. Close with this. If I lost everything but Jesus, would I be able to bless his name? And like, don't, I know that makes you want to feel guilty for loving people, but that, that's not the goal. You got to love God more than everything. And that looks like, if that looks like this morning, you laying down whatever God does with your life to him and saying, God, I love you. And for, it, for, to, for me to love you means that if you take my children, so be it. To, for me to love you, if you take my life, so be it. If you take my health, so be it. But I love you and I trust you. That's what it looks like to love God, Lord God without your heart. And then in the end, when you have nothing else, you have the Lord. He is the constant. You walk out of this life with nothing but God. Do you love him?
Lay those things before him this morning. Give it up. Let's pray. God, we love you so much. Thank you for this amazing time. Lord, to jump into your word, God, to read these amazing statements, God, that you gave to your people a long time ago. God, they're so true for us today. We've got to love you with all of our heart. These students, we had students this past weekend, Lord, you know that began a love relationship with you and loving you with all their heart. They don't want to be divided. God, I pray that this church this morning would not be divided in their love for you. God, I pray that they would be able to give everything to you. That means their children. That means their families. That means their health. That means their deepest, greatest possessions. It means all of those things because you're nothing. There's nothing better. Lord, you are one and you deserve our praise and our worship. Thank you for being that for us, God. Thank you for revealing truth to us. God, I pray that we would respond this morning. Yes, he sings your name. Amen. We hope you received a blessing from this week's message. If you have any questions about what you've heard from Pastor Shannon this week, you may call our church office at area code 205-339-4071. We pray that God's word strengthens you as you go on your journey today.